Homestyle Green, episode 61. In this episode, I catch up again with my good friend Ben Adam-Smith from houseplanninghelp.com. We talk about EcoBuild 2014, what is energy efficiency, constraints versus compromise, new versus existing, why houses don't use energy, dealing with population growth, and why hasn't Ben had a bath for nearly a year? G'day and welcome back to another episode of Homestyle Green. I am the host of the show, Matthew Cutler-Welsh, and my purpose in life is to inspire people to make a better place to live. Now, someone on the other side of the planet who has been wanting to make a better place to live for quite some time now is Ben Adams-Smith, and he is no stranger to Homestyle Green. I first interviewed Ben in episode 17, almost a year ago. And since then, Ben and I have stayed in touch almost on a weekly basis. And it's been fascinating to keep in touch with Ben. I I really like what Ben is doing. He's really thoughtful and he's passionate. He's not from the building industry, but he is on his own journey towards creating a better place to live for himself and his soon-to-be family, actually. Uh, Congratulations, Ben. Um. And on that journey, he is becoming incredibly well-informed. Not that he would admit that because he's, he's so modest. Uh, but he has become well-informed, so much so that he's actually written a book in, in the, uh, the year that has passed. So hang around to the end of the show. We actually mentioned that. And um, I'll put a link in the show notes to how you can find that book because it's not just a normal book. I started out asking Ben about his thoughts and experience on EcoBuild, which is, as they say, the world's leading event for sustainable design, construction, energy, and the built environment. Well, it was my third EcoBuild, actually, and they've all been quite different. I think the EcoBuild brand has actually moved around the world a lot more. So it's not just based in the UK. I think there are various different events around the world, but it's always good because it seems to bring people together. That's one of the things that I like. And on the first year that I went, it was very much about the talks. And I think they had an excellent seminar program and the conference had been put together in such a way that there was always something that you would want to go and check out. The content was that good that there'd be, you find this at all sorts of conferences, don't you? That there's always something you want to watch that's on at the same time yeah. as another thing. So you have to you have to pick them out. But bizarrely this year, I didn't go to as much of that program content because I was just finding that, I knew a lot more people there and was wanting to take this as an opportunity to catch up with them. Yeah, because you, after being there for two years previously, you were, is it? did it feel a bit same old, same old? Yeah, I think so. Um, it's hard. I know you wanted a, an overview of, of this year and whether there are uh, big themes or anything coming off that, but it's very difficult to pick up on that, particularly as I suppose that I'm drawn to this area of passive house. And so I'm very much into that community and what they're doing. And certainly in terms of the passive house standard in the UK, I think that there are a lot of people interested that I'm talking professionals here getting into it. And then there are the the founding members who are, are going on and doing more and more good work. So the uptake of that is definitely really, really strong. 
Um, but in terms of other themes, I, I don't know. It, it did seem quite similar to a lot of the other events that I would go to throughout the year. I don't know. You must find this as well because you do a lot of them in New Zealand. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about that a bit beyond, before the show, that it's quite a lot of effort to turn just turn up as a as a exhibitor and even a presenter at some of these shows. So it's quite a lot of, uh, it is quite involved. Um, and I, I think like you found, it tends to be the value is, is in the people as much as it is the gadgets and what, what people have got on the scene, new products and materials, because there, there isn't a lot of new products and materials out there, but it is really good to go and catch up with people and uh, find out what they're up to. Just to give us a bit of a sense yeah. of, of the scale, though, um, how how big is EcoBuild? I suppose I should have done some <laughs> some stats to be able to say, well, ah. it's this big. But London's Excel Arena is huge. It's one of the big venues in the UK, and over the last few years, it's I think slowly grown into this venue. I think there, there was a time when it filled up the whole of the the venue, but then you just ended up walking through these massive areas of just all solar panels and all all of this uh, and that. So I think it's, it's actually got back to a better size. It might have right. peaked at some point and then gone down the other side, if that makes any sense at all. But I think that's good because it's it's focused more on the the information and yeah, you can you can certainly meet people more easily because I don't know whether you find this too, but sometimes you can just be wandering aimlessly. I was chatting to someone who had their first year at EcoBuild and I said to them, did you just wander around? I think it's really, really good. Great events to go to, A, if you know what seminars you want to attend and are just going there quite relaxed because your brain will hurt at the end of the day regardless. <laughs> yeah. Or B, if there are people there that you think, now I know that John and Fred and Julia are going to be there. So if I make sure that they're on my list and we know we're going to meet up on this day, then we can do that. But I found the time went really quickly. Last year I did all three days, but this year I only did two days. And I think I could quite easily have done a third day if my brain hadn't been dead by the end. Yeah, right. So I mean, we have the Auckland Home Show here, which is is pretty big. Uh, that covers the um, a, a few. Uh, of the big sheds uh, at the at the stadium, and then they have a few outdoor events um, as well. But you can pretty much walk around that. It's a big day to get around, but you can do that in in one day. Uh, this is much bigger than that. You you really need three if you're a first timer and you know what you you know where you want to go. You, you still need three days to get around it, really. Yeah, if you're going to get something meaningful out of it, I suppose part of the difficulty is that for me. I'm very much interested in the house building side and trying to learn about that. So going up to any one of these stands, if I was in the middle of my project looking for something particular, then I would have those questions to ask of the, you know, does this product do this, that or the other? Because this is a conference that's aimed at people within green building, which I suppose I'm not necessarily in that bracket. I'm I'm loving learning about it and have this goal to um, create an energy efficient home. But I suppose I'm not the target customer. But then I still think you can get a lot from it. You don't have to be the target customer. Mm. Now, let's talk a bit about that journey because you have been on that journey for a little while now, learning about energy efficiency and your own mission of building a and being in your own home before before 40 is that is that correct 
that's my goal. Yeah. It's a tough goal. I, I always <laughs> knew it would be a tough goal. And I'm coming up against some of those factors now. When I set out, I thought initially, yeah, let's just do two years of research before we do anything. But actually, perhaps I misinterpreted what what that that suggestion was of putting three years of research into this shorter house build that maybe I'm stopping myself from moving on at this stage because uh, I don't know, you could say it's indecision. Um, it could be life getting on top of me. It is. It does come back to me, but I think this must be what lots of people face when they come to do this. You set yourself this goal and then actually you realise how big it is and that there is quite a bit of commitment that you've got to make and, and sacrifice too. That, Say, for example, recently I've had the fantastic news that uh, I'm going to become a dad and so my wife is due to give birth in September. So that puts a whole twist on where we're living at the moment is fine space-wise. In fact, I am really happy with it. And I think that over the course of doing my research, I've learned how good it is on space and also location. It's in a place that's in the middle of town. So it actually encourages walking. I will walk into the middle of town, which is 10 minutes away, walk across to the gym, which is three minutes away, down to the train station, five minutes away. So great location. I use all of these rooms in the house every day. So all of these things, but add a baby into the equation and suddenly you think well actually working from home gets a bit tougher it's not impossible other people do it so we'd be able to do it too but where do my priorities lie and I did hope that uh, two years into this I might be in a stronger financial position to be able to say well actually that plot of land over there is within reach now when it wasn't a couple of years ago so all of these things it's not that I haven't got the funds because we live in a house, but what, what you can do with them doesn't seem to equate very well. You can't just take that money and create something new over here because I would have to move to to Northern Ireland or, or somewhere <laughs> where the land price is really cheap. And the construction side of things, I think you can get a very compact house that's actually good value. The build cost hasn't cost too much. I think it does come back to land. Yeah, right. And you've you've got sort of five principles or five key learnings here because you 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 are what two years into that journey now and have done quite a lot of research because you you've you've done more than research you've also shared a lot of your learning and you, and you've created you you've created house planning help and you've done a few other projects along the way so it's not like you've been sitting idle and procrastinating all that time no, that is true. And I think the one thing that I have done right is that I know pretty much where I would want to go. I think some of the constraints come into this because, first of all, being in a couple, you both have to want the same thing, which is often, yeah, I suppose when we started out, I always um, loved the, the old houses. But the more I've looked at them, the more I, they worry me a little bit that they're really hard to make energy efficient mm. yeah. and would you want them to perhaps perhaps you don't perhaps those are the ones that you just leave alone and doing things new you can just get so much of it right yeah. first go so i've been using my time to to try and think of those those key factors um and information that that would really help me and i find every chat i have takes me further down that route but it doesn't which, which, route, this, which it doesn't which, take me sorry which particular route 
No, no, I was meaning takes me further into my learning. So I'm learning oh, okay. every so... person that I speak to. I'm building up my knowledge. But what it doesn't do is take me closer to achieving my goal. And that doesn't mean I'm going to rule out my goal and say, oh, I can't do it. Because I think that that's one of the great things about goal setting and saying, no, I'm going to do it by this date. But it, it does make it hard. It does make you think, oh, goodness, I'm heaping pressure on myself. But I'm quite happy to do that. Um, that's that's what I want it to be. It will it will force me into action. And I personally feel that we should all be trying to put ourselves on this path to create better houses or transition to better houses, whatever that might mean in our lives. Excellent. Love it. Now, you bring up two interesting points there, which I think are really key because they're so relevant to pretty much everyone. One is that question about new versus existing. Should I try and retrofit something that already exists, perhaps that I'm in or uh, looking for for an existing house or, or building for new? Because it is so much easier to build and design from new and, and rather than trying to fix other existing problems. And the other problem there is that the pure financial reality as the, as the main constraint of just having all these great ideas, but just where do you get the money from to, to get get started either on a major renovation or or a new build it i think those two are pretty pretty common and sizable restrictions for most of the people wanting to build a better place to live yeah definitely and i'd add this as well that really the important houses the ones that are going to make a difference when we consider climate change are the houses that we retrofit so it's an important movement. All the new ones we're building, technically, <laughs> should be brilliant because we've got all these skills. We know what we should be doing. In many cases, okay, perhaps we're not doing it. And I find <laughs> those are the hardest ones to deal yeah. with where you just think, oh, my goodness. That's probably, another, that's probably this... another topic for another episode, <laughs> particularly with, the, with respect to the New Zealand building code. We, we probably shouldn't go there because I tend to get quite wound up when I start talking about that. Hey, I do want to. You, you it's not just New Zealand. It's well, not that's, just New that's Zealand. True. It's, it's the world over, and this is why. Really, that should be step number one, shouldn't it? Sort that out. Get yeah. the new build sorted before we do anything else. But what's actually going to make the difference is the retrofitting, the the weatherizing of properties, yes. and. I think the, the more I've learned about that, the more I think, wow, this is really tricky to get right. Yeah. Even people in the industry, just they're, they're not agreeing. But, but part of doing it is learning. And that's the exciting part, that we are moving forward. I want to have a, a quick run through of what, what right looks like after the research that you have done to this, to this point. And you sent through to me five principles that uh, you, you sort of come up with. The first one here is... Um, having a, about having a good sense of what what an energy efficient house is. What can you describe that in your mind? What 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 have you come up with as being the fundamentals of an energy efficient house? This is very much an overview, but it's these same principles that I think we come back to, and it starts with mindset. That if you've got a closed mind. I can almost guarantee you will not be creating the best house that you possibly could. But then there are things on top of that, such as uh, scale, which you might just say, oh, I want this many rooms or I want this bigger a floor area. But scale is such a crucial one. It's it's one of the biggest decisions that you can make. For for example, that the tiny homes movement. I still haven't done a podcast on this, and I think it's fascinating. But people that live in a tiny home 
I would love some analysis of how energy efficient is that, even if it had no insulation or, or anything on it. It's just the scale makes a difference. If we stay put in this house, we will probably use a lot less energy than the next house that we move on to, purely because of some of the things that I've talked about, the, the location, et cetera, and mm. encouraging walking because it's an overall energy um, perspective. And <clears throat> some of these points that I've written down for you, it's, it's really almost a, a larger scale realisation of what's going on, not necessarily all focused on construction, but I see construction is a big area that we should be focusing on just because it can sort out a lot of the problems, but by no means all of them. So then looking at fabric first, which I know you mentioned a lot in your podcast, simplicity of the house. If you've got a simple form to your house, it's much easier to make energy efficient using natural materials, just all of these sorts of things. I've skipped straight over lots of things, but you get an idea of the the sort of thing. So scale, site like size of the floor area, how much space do you actually really need fabric first thinking about the structure and the the thermal envelope of the house before worrying about how many downlights you're going to put in there and how, what color the granite bench top is going to be um yeah reducing your energy demand first of all before you you do anything else and and it, it the key factors being air tightness that i've discovered that that really is the number one i thought it, it went hand in hand with insulation but i think as i got deeper into it really air tightness is the number one yeah that's interesting that's a whole other topic too <laughs> <laughs> See, um i'm, ple I'm pleased you mentioned i'm pleased you mentioned simplicity there because i've seen a lot of designs recently that are trying to achieve um, a six on our Homestar system. And to do that, they have to score a reasonable uh, thermal performance um, criteria. So it depends on where they are in the country, but there's a certain threshold they have to achieve of, of megajoules per square metre that they'll use for a heat load to maintain a certain temperature inside. And it gets harder and harder to do that if you have a complicated shape like one of the trends at the moment seems to be to build houses that are shaped like an h like a, a capital <laughs> a, a capital letter a h star. yeah or a star well an h is common because then you end up with um a courtyard which is all lovely and you have lots of big open french doors and just indoor outdoor flow and you have a nice courtyard outside but what that means is you end up with almost twice the amount of surface area uh, external wall area than you would if the, for the same floor area if it was just a simple rectangle because you've got basically two extra walls on the inside of that letter H and it's really really hard and I've in fact I've, I'm working with an example right now where they've gone to great lengths to increase the drastically increase the level of insulation like they've gone to a, a thicker stud in the wall so they can put extra wall insulation and they're not hitting the target it's simply because no matter how thick they make those walls, well, I'm, I'm sure they could make them even thicker and eventually get there, but that would just be silly. Um, it, it's it's because of the form of the house. And, and they've really struggled. This is an architect as well, and has really struggled to kind of get that constraint, um, which is an interesting conversation well, to have when, when I'm saying, look, I'm sorry, this design, is you, you're almost going to have to throw it out and start again. This is... Quite an interesting point, simplicity, because there's another <clears throat> angle to this in that you can have 
a house, for example, that's passive house standard on a fairly typical budget. But you've got to use your budget wisely. And it's where it comes back to simplicity that you know there are certain things that are non-negotiables. For example, we've talked about the insulation, the air tightness. You've got to get rid of all the thermal bridges, mm-hmm. um, triple glaze windows um, most of the time. All of these elements, you know, normally mechanical ventilation with heat recovery, you've got to have. So knowing that, you can start with that and then work backwards as to what do I have left for the rest of the budget. And I don't think that many people do that. It's an eco-minimalistic approach. I think it was Howard Little who... Yeah, I think that's the correct term for it. I don't want to put myself out there. I think it's a good good one anyway. We'll go with it. (laughs) Yeah, someone will correct me if I'm wrong. But that seems to be such a sensible idea. Um, But it, it could be quite a good moment to move on to my next point, that quite often... We know what we should be doing, but actually doing it is not so easy because we will have our own constraints. For example, I I talked about the space one. Well, the obvious thing is to live in a shoebox, and that way we're going to be super energy efficient. But it doesn't quite work like that, does it? We need our, our space. And so picking the right amount of space is crucial. And you're always going to be fighting against these compromises. Maybe, for example, the simplicity one that we've just been talking about we might decide, oh, well, that's a bit boring. I don't want that mm. for my house. Mm. But where should we be going? What what should be our, our priorities? How do we try and channel ourselves into what we need to be doing rather than, oh, well, I'd like to do this. So I think that's really relevant as well. And I know that with all these good intentions, I will always or we will always be able to do more create more energy efficient homes and have a a lower environmental impact. I I just think that unless we become superhumans, we're always going to just find that, oh, well, let's have a little bit more space or let's let's do this um, rather than that ideal. But it is idealistic, I understand. How many children are you planning to have? I think two. (laughs) It's a bit of a personal question. (laughs) But yeah, the, uh, uh, that's the reality. Is you, you you're setting out on? I mean, how how long are you planning on living in this house that you you're looking at designing or building? Uh, and it's it's really hard to predict that you you're kind of asking people to predict the future yes. of, of what they'll need. One, I I think you're absolutely right. There um, there are obviously constraints, budgetary ones, um, geographic ones, yep. uh, taste. You, you're dealing with other people who've got to live in the house you know you're not always going to have exactly the same tastes um one of the things i think it's very easy to get a little bit depressed about that and saying oh well it's always going to be a compromise <laughs> everything has to be a compromise and which and a compromise implies that one side's going to lose out i think the positive way of looking at that reframing those challenges is to see the whole process as a design challenge and a design opportunity and to come up with some creative options that that give you the most important things that you want but don't restrict your lifestyle or your creativity or your your sense of belonging to that place and that comes back i think to the value of good architecture and why more people need to use skilled uh, architects or architectural designers rather than just going and and buying a sort of one-size-fits-all option, unless that's a very well-designed one-size-fits-all. Um, but I, you know, what you're saying makes sense because 
quite often the skill is in the detailing, isn't it? Absolutely. So let's say we have this simple form that we've talked about. Simple doesn't have to be boring. No, not at all. But I'm saying that perhaps I might look at it as as boring, but it it really is in in how it's just some, some simple elements. For example, you might start out making something very, very complicated. That's often the way it has to be that. But if you can work through that complexity and come out the other side, then you're laughing, just refining those drawings, just refining it back to something simple. But if yeah. you hadn't gone through all those things in the first place, you would never have got there. And I think there are other examples of of where you can work through what would otherwise be a compromise but becomes a design opportunity. And things like um, modular design or um, a lot of people here are doing pavilion-style houses where you build just the, the, the bits, the core of the home that you need in a house, so your kitchen, your dining room, and a bedroom. But the very design of that house facilitates an easy addition of another wing or another pavilion to it in a way that's not going to look out of place when you do that. And um, another, I, I interviewed uh, six months or so, um, the, the Stretch and Grow house, which is around that concept of building just what you need now, but the house allowing some growth or some change in use as as the the family changes. So I think there there are opportunities for reframing some of those challenges and and pitching it out as a positive design challenge rather than a potentially depressing compromise <laughs> of uh you know always missing out on something. Yeah. Yeah, I think you've you've got it um down to a T there. The next point that I had on the list, I think we've touched on largely, yeah. which is about this house that I live in, is actually one that's pretty energy efficient. But I'll tell you one thing that I haven't mentioned so far, and that's the energy performance certificates that we have in the UK. And I've been collecting data on this house just because I'm interested. As you in do. It. We have a website over here called iMeasure. And in fact, it's a Monday. So as we're recording this, so I haven't uh, updated my figures today because that's the day I normally do it. But what I found really interesting is that this is an A-rated house. Yeah. Which I know it is definitely not an A-rated house. So what that must mean is that either it doesn't take into account the, the scale of the house or, or anything like that, or we are very careful users of energy, which I know that we are. I'm constantly just keeping an eye on lights that are on or appliances that we can switch off. And the back part of the house is drafty, but luckily we have a door that we can close. So that's great, except for the fact that when we go to the back of the house, it's always freezing in the middle right. of the winter. So A-rated um, is the so best? A-rated is the best? I don't know whether you can get A++ or... right. Anything above that? There is oh, a little bit of debate around the system, but it's the system that's used. Is it? So that's and is it why just? It is it just? Uh, people should check it out. I, I had a quick look at it. Um, I measure. It looks looks like a great site. Um, is it just measuring your consumption of energy? You put in, for example, we have gas and electricity, so I update it with the readings every week. And you don't necessarily have to hit it spot on because obviously it has the date as it goes in. And then it gives you all sorts of different calculations. Some of them, I will admit, I don't fully understand. It draws all sorts of graphs. But I think if I if I knew more of what was being displayed there, the, the, the typical ones are really interesting, just showing you how you compare with typical homes and 
having all that data to reflect back on. Um, so it's a way to, to <laughs> measure against other people of similar sized houses or similar households. Yeah, and the other thing is that it's run by Oxford University or the University of Oxford. I don't know how we should refer to it. Their yeah. climate change department. So I'm hoping that putting these figures in there is just more data for them to analyze and say, well, actually, here's another house doing this. Could you game it if you just didn't turn any heaters on and, and were really frugal with your power? Is it just, is it just measuring the, the power actually used? I would think so. I, if we didn't have the heating on at all, I'm sure any house could be an A-rated house. Right. But then, you see, this actually leads us into one of my other key findings is that houses don't use energy. I love this point. They don't use energy. I love this point. It's humans that use yeah. energy. I actually nicked this off uh, of someone I spoke to the other day. I thought, oh, that's good. Oh, I'm going to have that down there. But it's something that's just another point. We know that we're the polluters and we have to realize that. So, Houses don't use energy. Humans do. It's very much our lifestyle. And again, we we know all of these stuff, but do we do anything about it? And last year, I just thought, maybe I can start tightening up my, my life, you know, moving more in the direction of simplicity. And so I had this day where I decided this is going to be my last bath. And I got out of the bath and decided, well, maybe <laughs> if I want to have a bath again, I can join my wife if she'll let me into the bath. But otherwise, I'm going to see what happens if I just have short showers from now onwards. Will my life be miserable? Will I hate everything? And a year later, we're coming up to about now, nothing has changed. I, I, <laughs> it just doesn't matter. That's not one of the things. I know some people enjoy their their soak in the bath, but not me. It, it wasn't something that that's important. So this year, I'm looking into well, could I cut back on the amount of meat I eat? So make sure I'm always eating organic, really good meat when I am eating. But then how far, how close can I get to becoming a vegetarian? I love meat. It is difficult. But I also really despise the systems that we have in place to create our, our meat. It is a, a full factory and, and not even as it used to be. They're now getting higher and just looking worse places in, in a lot of countries. There's an easy solution to that. You just need to eat New Zealand lamb. It's very good. But you see, I eat New Zealand lamb. It has to travel all the way across to the UK. Yeah, but apparently and, apparently and the, again, carbon, the carbon footprint of our lamb arriving in the supermarket in the UK is less than lamb raised inside a uh, barn eating corn in the in uh, somewhere in Europe, apparently. That is fascinating. Oh, I, yeah. I, I'd, I'd love to see all this research. This there, is the trouble when there is some I, research I so on that. Hopeless. There is some research on that because there was a big sort of propaganda campaign a couple of years ago about um, the embodied energy of locally produced, sort of factory produced lamb in the UK versus. Uh, sheep running around in the grassy green fields in, in New Zealand and then being shipped over. And apparently uh, New Zealand lamb won out on the carbon footprint uh, scale. That's it's, it's so interesting because this is where I feel we struggle with our decisions because I can tell you I've been boycotting New Zealand lamb. I wouldn't be eating your lamb purely because I thought, well, I should be eating It British can't be stuff. good, yeah. And, that, and that's... But... There's, unless you know, and unless this research that we're talking about, 
that could be wrong for all we know. We yeah. haven't gone out there and done it. And I think that's, as consumers, is one of the toughest things that we just hear stuff, don't we? Yep. We don't have time to do the experiment ourselves unless unless we could build up this very trustworthy body that really, you know, great minds in it that we're doing all the right calculations. and But I don't know. Where are we hearing this from? Yeah, and that's exactly the same for building products. You know, we, I, we yep. were just talking yep. about some uh, a insulation uh, system for concrete slabs at work today, and the information that's out in the common marketplace is downright wrong, really. But it's the it's the understood reality. But it's 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 actually not real, and there is a lot of misconception out there. But that you, you're battling against um, quite strong marketing departments in a lot of these cases. So I think you're right that <laughs> knowing where to go to get the right information is hard. I I would hope that the internet would be a, a good sanitizer for some of that stuff and, and eventually the 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 right story would come out. Um, but I think yeah. this comes back to transparency that yeah. I don't know quite how it's happening, but I think there there is an argument and we both are involved in content marketing, so this might be going way off the plot, but there is something happening online that the most important information is the truthful information. Mm -hmm. And I wonder whether that will become more and more the case in future. And, and part of it is to do with anything that we put online, more or less, is trackable yep. and traceable. And yep. you also have to think about future generations looking back at this time. When you put something onto the internet, there is no guarantee that it will be deleted off when you want it. No, You've now, published now, something. Now everyone and, will know that you haven't had a bath for a year. Forever. Yes. yes, maybe I'll, I'll end up having baths again, but I haven't had a bath for a year. And now that we've talked about that, people will know that Everyone's I am unclean. Know about no, it. I've been having showers. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think you're right. And I think there is a lot uh, to be said for transparency um, and the truth will eventually win out. And I think it's in all of our interests, though, to expedite that as much as possible and, and discuss these issues so that the, the truth comes out sooner rather than later because i think coming to your last point um we don't necessarily have a lot of time um to make a difference particularly with a with a growing population i used to freak out about this because my mum was a, a um or she still is a um demographer and so she geography and and people science human science and demography and the size of cities and and population growth is, is kind of what she studies and i used to freak out about the, the size of the human population and the the rate at which we're growing. I have to admit that I've become a little bit more positive about that recently. And I think that's because of some of the things that I've been reading and, and talking to. And, and I guess I have a lot of trust in design and intentional design for a, a bigger population where we can be not just a little bit more efficient, but massively more efficient and more effective as well so i and i'm also like to think that perhaps that rate of growth is starting to slow so that there is a and i think it has to slow as well has, yeah this well, is eventually my it has point to. on it that that <laughs> it either has to slow we are, or explode we are getting, <laughs> we're yeah. getting to a time now 
when we're going to make things really unpleasant for ourselves unless we take responsibility. Yep. And it is one angle to, I totally agree that we have ways of being cleverer now and using less energy and, and all of these things. But what we mustn't do is then think, oh, well, this is great. And then explode the population even more. It's, yeah, I don't know how we're going to do it because I'm not, can't. this is a, Definitely can't rest on our I was just going to say, this is a whole podcast series, really, of how do you control the population? I don't even know whether it's out there, but it's it's a concern, and, and not enough people are saying it, that we need to reverse it to some degree, or it will be reversed for us. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's a really uh, interesting point. Um, not one that architects probably often think about, population growth, but... I I think it we, when we look at that and all of those things that we've been talking about, what we need to do is focus on the the things that we can influence. And part of what I'm becoming more and more passionate about is particularly architects and architectural designers to appreciate the potential influence that they can have and the potential power that they and responsibility that they have to to make a real difference. We just had the opening of our very first um, building in New Zealand, which has gone for a natural uh, the Living Building Challenge, and it's a it's a community centre for Tuhoi, uh, which is a, a Maori uh, iwi down on the east coast of the North Island. And I was thinking about that yesterday as they had this opening. Just imagine if every house in New Zealand, say for example, was up to living building challenge standards. If that was the case, arguably it wouldn't matter how many houses we built. In fact, each house would actually have a positive impact on the environment because that's the whole point of of uh, the living building challenge. And that living building challenge is hard, but it's at the end of the day, design and good design and really thoughtful processes and good sourcing and those things you talked about right at the beginning about scale and fabric first, natural materials, all those but taken to to an extreme. So I think that there, I like to be positive about these things as much as possible. I think there are lots of solutions that lie in the realm of good design. Well, I knew this would be an interesting chat today and I really enjoyed it because I think we've covered quite a lot of ground. We have. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, ultimately, I think construction, architecture is one of the most exciting places to be right now. That's what I would say. And we have to get a grip on these problems. We just, we have to. So this is the place it's, it's going to be done. And that's why I've decided that I, I want to be more in this area and in whatever way that I can help, which is at the moment just putting together information about it. And, and yeah. that's something that I really enjoy doing. So I think this is the place to be. And we just need to encourage more people, more people who care to come into this world. Absolutely. We've gone way longer than I intended, Ben, but um, I thought that might happen. <laughs> <laughs> Where For those that haven't already caught up with you and aren't following you, um, on your journey, where can people find you and find out more? The website is houseplanninghelp.com and I do enjoy using Twitter. That's probably one of my favourites. So come and find me at Ben Adam Smith. And they should also read your book. Oh, yes. 
why most people don't build energy efficient homes. Yeah, I shouldn't forget a plug for that. And I've put this on the Snippet app, which is something that you can get for iOS devices, for iPads, iPhones, just because I wanted to play around with it, really. And I think it it's a great way of communicating a modern day book, I suppose. You've got video in there, audio clips, lots of photos. And I've tried to take everything that I've learned so far and then squash it all down to just what are the main things? If I could only have your attention for half an hour, an hour, uh, what would be the things that I'd really want to tell you? And some of them we brought up today, but we go into more detail on those. But yeah, Snippet app, why most people don't build energy efficient houses. And it's got a cover that really sticks out because it's a, a building that's airtight and well insulated. And the way that we're viewing it is with one of those thermal images where you just see all the other buildings a different colour. I'm trying to think what the two colours are now. One is it yellow and one, one yellow sort and of green, bright, and... bright green, and one yeah, it definitely stands out. So one of these is obviously really good, and one of them's obviously really bad. <laughs> yeah, and that is the point that it's only one on this street, and I picked this street in particular not necessarily because that's where you might build your house, but just because it tells a story that yeah. all the other houses are just letting all the heat straight out. Ben, it's been a pleasure, as always. Um, you probably need to go and do some work. I need to go to bed. Um, <laughs> and we we should do this again sometime soon because uh, I'm sure Let's people... Let's do it, yeah. People would be very interested to uh, keep listening to you on your journey. I'm really... One, one thing we haven't talked about much today, uh, you mentioned briefly about content marketing, and I'm really keen to talk to particularly designers about that and how they can increase the sphere of their influence because I think that's uh, that's going to definitely part of the solution. Well, you see, you will have quite a good grip on that as well to to help people. And I think that's another side of it is just encouraging all those things. I know you're trying to get rid of me now. I'll go. <laughs> Not at all. Hey, thanks a lot, Ben. We will, uh, we'll keep in touch and uh, talk to you again later. Cheers, Matthew. Thank you very much to Ben for making that time. Uh, we, we had a great time chatting. So thank you for hanging around and sticking with it if you're still listening. I will leave some uh, notes in the, sh in the show notes about uh, links to find Ben. He's, um, he's all over the internet. Uh, you can find him at houseplanninghelp.com. He's on Twitter, he's on Facebook, he's on Google+. And in fact, he has some Google+, Plus, some Google Hangouts scheduled. And I am looking forward to taking part in some of those where we're going to be discussing some technical topics around um, building better homes and, and higher performance. So um, watch out for those. be great to, uh, to listen in and, and um, take part in some of those Google Hangouts. Ben's book is available on the Snippet platform, as he mentioned in that uh, chat. And the Snippet platform is is a great kind of new uh, format for books, and it's got the likes of uh, Pat Flynn on there. Uh, it's one of the one of the first authors, and a whole a whole bunch of others now. It's it's not, uh, starting to fill up um, their their catalogue of, of books. But definitely head over to, to Snippet app. I'll put a link to, to that as well. And, and check out Ben's book because I think it's a great way of describing lots of the features and products and methods around something that is, is really v more visual um, than is best described just by, by the written word. And that's what the, the real strength of, of some, like a multimedia platform like the Snippet is. So check that out. 
We have some good interviews lined up and coming your way. So I'm looking forward to bringing those to you uh, in the next few weeks. But in the meantime, um, please do head on over to iTunes and leave a review there. I'd really appreciate that. Or even just a star rating. Uh, would love that too. Thanks very much for listening. Until next time, go make a better place to live.